0: Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm today to get started. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Ministry Minded podcast a show that seeks to marvel at the mercy of God that meets us in our messy ministries. I'm, of course, your host, Pastor Brad Gray. I am the senior pastor of Stonyton Baptist Church right here in Paxinos, Pennsylvania. Uh, It's a wonderful morning, and I hope that you uh, are as well having a wonderful morning. Uh, I apologize for another delay, another Sort of seeming break. This show is, is somehow becoming almost like a semi weekly thing. Um, or so, I should say semi bi weekly, <laughs> if I can say that. Um, but, you know, I have made a point not to put sort of any uh, measure on myself in terms of getting episodes out. Just. Uh, getting them out whenever I feel like there's something that I really want to say and something that I really want to share. And, uh, sometimes the grind of particular weeks makes that, uh, less manageable than possible. And so anyways, that's what I, it's weird. I, I, I didn't really envision that for this, uh, for this show, but you know, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, that's where we are at this point. <laughs> um. But I'm so glad to be with you. Uh, last weekend was uh, a wonderful Mother's Day weekend, so happy Mother's Day belatedly to uh, anyone who might be listening. Uh, happy Mother's Day to my mom. Uh, I'm so happy that you're listening. I know that you are. <laughs> and uh, I'm really glad that I was able to celebrate Mother's Day, especially also because, as perhaps many uh, of you know, uh, my wife, uh, hey, Natalie, if you're listening, um is uh is expecting another little one, and so we're uh, she's gonna be a mother thrice over uh now, and so I'm excited for that. Uh, so it's pretty cool to celebrate Mother's Day with uh, another another little one on the way. So, um, I'm I'm thrilled. It was a thrilling Mother's Day weekend. Had a good uh, worship service on Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna save some of the recapping of sermons lately to for next week's episode. I do uh I do have some episodes planned, by the way. Uh, I've been doing some work. On that, and uh, so I'm excited to sort of uh, make some of these shows really uh, insightful for you. Hopefully, that's the case. Hopefully, you find them encouraging. Um, So, I'm gonna save that uh, because I really only have two main priorities in today's show. Uh, I want to talk about an article, uh, actually a newsletter, uh, by Oliver Berkman. Uh, his newsletter is called "The Imperfectionist," and uh, it's a it, he. He gives some tips on time management uh, that I want to kind of think through and just actually just th- kind of throw out there, and maybe you can think through it on your own. Uh, and then I want to talk about that huge uh, cover story that appeared in GQ uh, a couple of weeks ago regarding actually profiling uh, the life of uh, infamous pop star, uh, Justin Bieber. Uh, so I want to kind of talk through those things and just see what we can see, what we can find out and see where we can find, uh, grace and truth, even in these, uh, seemingly, uh, unexpected places. So, uh, that's what I want to do on today's show. So before we get there, let's, uh, hear a word from this show's presenting sponsor. Do you like coffee? I know that you do. And that's why I want to tell you about fresh roasted coffee. Fresh Roasted is a locally owned and operated coffee house right here in central Pennsylvania that is committed to providing the highest quality coffee on earth. They do so by sourcing only the freshest coffee beans and by using the most eco-friendly roasting technology in the world. Fresh Roasted's USDA certified organic coffee beans ensure that your coffee is consistently regulated at each stage of the production process and completely free of GMOs and harmful synthetic substances fresh roasted coffee roasts their beans per order with immediate packaging and shipping directly to your door meaning that you get to experience fresh coffee at its peak drinkability that's what i like i was introduced to fresh roasted coffee soon after moving to central pennsylvania and i'm so happy i was because i think it's literally the best coffee out there their blackbeard's revenge blend is out of this world good whether you use a regular drip coffee maker or a pour over or a French press, however you get your coffee fix, make it fresh roasted. Go to the link in the notes for this show and use the offer code GRACE10 at checkout. That's offer code GRACE10 at checkout to get a discount on your next order. Okay, so uh, first up. Uh, Oliver Berkman, uh, I've interacted with some of his stuff. I'm not super familiar with him overall. I know that I was pointed in his direction, uh, through my friends over at Mockingbird, and, uh, they are, uh, huge fans of his, uh, and he... He very often puts out very timely, uh, insightful little anecdotes and pieces, uh, so, but he has a newsletter, as everyone does nowadays, uh, and you're probably reading this on my newsletter, uh, Pastor Brad Gray, uh, over on Substack.com. Um, I think it's, it is it is a new craze, uh, but for me, at least, this is a sidebar. This is not really what I want to talk about, but new the newsletter ordeal um has really helped me sort of streamline uh just what I want to do and it's actually helped me I think write better there's several uh I write ahead a lot and so uh, I have several pieces coming out in the weeks to come that I just feel really good about and I don't, I don't, it's, it's it seems silly to say that it's because it's on this new platform, but uh, in a way, I think it's, it's good because I don't have to worry about anything else other than just writing. Um, so anyways, uh, that's a sidebar, sidebar over. So Oliver Berkman, in this newsletter, his newsletter is called The Imperfectionist. Uh, he shares a brief uh, note, maybe tip, uh, if you will, like a, a, a a life hack, I, I don't even like that term, uh, on how to manage your time and prevent burnout. And he makes this pretty bold assertion at the beginning of this newsletter where he writes, quote, you almost certainly can't consistently do the kind of work that demands serious mental focus for more than about three or four hours a day, end quote. Uh, and this is a striking statement to make, I think uh, number one, it, is pretty well, I'll just say, it, it, to me, it reeks of a lot of truth, uh, only because I know that uh, if you put in very focused, serious, uh, sort of really significant work into something for more than, I would say, maybe about five hours a day, you, your brain just ends up turning to mush. Um, and uh, I know this feeling. Uh, it's why you they always t- say to augment your day with little breaks, not just breaks in your attention, but breaks in your mental acuity, breaks in in the time that you're actually doing really intense focused work because your brain isn't meant to handle that, which um, I think is true. And I have no scientific data to back that up, by the way. Uh, It's just me saying that from my experiences. Um, And I would also say that this is a notion that flies I would say, really, in the face of a lot of the modern notions of work and, and productivity, and the ideas of of making sure everything is is uh, finished and making sure everything is done to perfection. Those sorts of ideas, this is something that I think flies in the face of that only because if, let's say you work an eight hour day and about five of those, let's say, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Four of those, half of those hours are really intense. Really focused and really quality hours of of work there is going to be a little bit of perhaps drop off has a negative connotation, but almost like there's going to be some items that are unfulfilled unfinished and I think what Berkman is is leaning into is that that 's okay um he well he continues in this little newsletter he says this quote. Arguably, the more important lesson isn't so much about time management, or excuse me, isn't so much a time management tactic as an internal psychological move to give up demanding more of yourself than three or four hours of daily high quality mental work. That's an emphasis that gets missed, I think, of the current conversation about overwork and post pandemic burnout. Yes, he continues, it's true we live in a system that demands too much of us, leaves no time for rest, and makes many feel as though their survival depends on working impossible hours. But it's also true that we're increasingly the kind of people who don't want to rest, who get antsy and anxious if we don't feel we're being productive. The usual results in, the usual result is that we push ourselves beyond the sane limits of daily activity when doing less would have been more productive in the long run. How far you can check out of the culture of unproductive busywork depends on your situation, of course, but regardless of your situation, you can choose not to collaborate with it. You can abandon the delusion that if you just managed to squeeze in a bit more work, you'd finally reach the commanding status of feeling in control and on top of everything at last. The truly valuable skill here isn't the capacity to push yourself harder, but to stop and recuperate despite the discomfort of knowing the wor- that work remains unfinished, emails unanswered, and other people's demands unfulfilled End quote now there's a lot to that we could unpack, but what stands out to me is just this notion that I think Berkman gets so uh, so correct and and I think he pinpoints it so accurately, which is the idea that. We have this work that we often complain about, but we are Often, very, very often, and perhaps you can agree with me, uh, the people who actually don 't want to give up working, uh, we find almost a masochistic sort of badge of honor in the idea that we have to keep working long hours and that we cannot rest and that we don 't have time to be unproductive or leisurely in our lives and we get antsy as he says, and anxious if we're if we 're feeling unproductive if we're if we 're not doing something that has some sort of uh, sort of uh, Not just monetary value, but meaningful value and in some sort of way. And, and all of this leads me to say that there is, (laughs) there are limits that we have in our, in our human bodies. Our bodies of flesh and bone and skin and sinew are are not made to uh, be always on, always active, always in this uh, sort of high uh, energy, high intensity sort of culture. And I think and again, uh, I'm not backing this up with any sort of scientific data or research or peer-reviewed journal uh, article. I'm just saying this off the top of my head, but I, it is a sentiment that I feel strongly about that the cracks of putting all of your identity in your work, um, I think are beginning, or at least I pray that they are. They're, they're, they're beginning to crack in a lot of ways. And I think, And I'm not going to say that the pandemic had an effect on that, but I will say that when that is taken away, when people's uh, work work was, was taken away from them. That there would have been an identity crisis if that's where your identity was. Um, and only to say this, that the demands that we put on ourselves oftentimes in our work are often demands that even we cannot live up to. And I, I think the underlying point of it all is that we weren't made to. Uh, we were we are creatures that have been made to to have rest, to have um, sort of a respite, to have a, a refuge to run to, and a refuge that isn't a liquid, or that isn't a substance, or that isn't just some trifling thing. That refuge is a person, and that's really the rhythm that we were made for. The rhythm that we were created by God to enjoy was a rhythm of rest and refuge, and finding that in Him alone. Um, Anyways, uh, I could preach about that maybe. Maybe I will. Uh, I just found a, I found that really insightful. Um, so much uh, this little piece by Berkman that is, um, just the idea of not putting almost like a new law on yourself to be uh, super productive and to find. Away in your in your rhythms in your daily r- routines to block out you know uh, a series of hours, he actually has some anecdotes in the article if you read it, which is linked in the notes um, uh, some historical references that this isn 't just something that he 's making up on a whim this is uh, something that has been sort of. Uh, forgotten, perhaps, uh, by many philosophers and thinkers that have gone before. Um, But anyways, I I just found that helpful. Uh, And hopefully uh, you found it helpful, too, uh, to uh, prevent burnout by actually focusing your work uh, in a way that leads to actually being more productive. And, And sometimes, and this is the sort of uncanny part about grace that I love, is that it's when you actually do less, uh, you actually become more productive um, anyways there's a sermon in there um the the other article I want to get to and I wanted to spend a lot more time on uh, and so that's why I wanted to devote basically a whole episode to it um is this massive <laughs> this massive G q cover story uh, which profiles the troubled pop star you know, all of the celebrity words you want to insert there, uh, Justin Bieber. Justin, of course, is a, uh, a singer you're probably really familiar with. Uh, you probably know, uh, a lot about him. Uh, He's almost become a parody of himself, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, his, his sort of status in pop culture is almost like a living meme, a living meme of himself. <laughs> and I think saying the name Justin Bieber, uh, I have 1000% assurance that it brings to your mind an array of thoughts, presupposed convictions and feelings, and, and I would even say judgments, uh, about this person uh whose name is is Justin Bieber and we know him through his escapades through his through his uh his crazed uh, sort of lifestyle that has become much more public and much more vain seemingly throughout the years. And uh, perhaps those judgments range from a veritable assortment of disgust to disdain to perhaps even fandom. Uh, maybe you like his music. Uh, I've never really been a fan of his music. Uh, I think that's really besides the point. Um, He is now a preacher of grace. Can I say that? <laughs> um, tr- truthfully, I've wanted to interact with this piece. For a long time, uh, I first came across it uh, thanks to my friends over at Mockingbird. Again, uh, they included it in one of their weekend pieces. Uh, this one was by uh, Brian, and he put it together and he included this little uh, this little snippet from uh, from the article and and then also the Mockingcast uh, Dave, Sarah, and R J. Uh, they recorded a great podcast in which they interact with this piece as well, uh, which I highly recommend you listen to um but i again there there was so much in this this article that i wanted to uh, i i wanted to interact with it myself um especially this idea that um Justin if i can use his first name i'm just going to use his first name now Justin understands or seemingly understands um what grace is and what grace looks like and what and what it does uh, he write he, he says this during the interview, he, uh, l- well, let me start over, quote, he, that is God, is grace. Every time we mess up, he is picking us back up every single time. That's how I view it. And so it's like, I made a mistake. I won't dwell on it. I won't sit in shame, but actually it makes me want to do better, end quote. Uh, That comes from Justin Bieber himself. Uh, It comes from him sort of, I think, having this profound uh, arc of a life in which he has learned in a very palpable palpable way uh, (laughs) the necessity of grace uh, and the necessity of a God of grace uh, beyond anything else. There's nothing else that he needs and, and I would say is more desperate for than that. And maybe you're one of the ones who has read, uh, those stories of Justin's claim to Christianity, um, and maybe you're, you're one of the ones who is, uh, dubious of such public and celebrity-ish proclamations of faith, um, I, I I wouldn't I, I don't have anything negative to say about that. You are perfectly fine uh, to have that view. Um, I too am am always kind of like my first instinct and this is the thing I kind of want to go into uh, later in, in just a minute is just this is my first instinct. My first instinct is to uh, cast a a judgment, cast a pall on such public proclamations of of faith and Christianity and the idea that he's aligning himself with Christian figures. And perhaps maybe, though, know, they're not in our, quote, stripe of Christian faith. Uh, he's he's not going through a Southern Baptist church or a independent Baptist church, even. Um, but it's so interesting to me um, how doubtful we are of people proclaiming that they have gotten saved um, if they have the pedigree the likes of Justin Bieber, as if that somehow Somehow excludes them, somehow nullifies them, somehow that makes their confession not genuine. And yeah, maybe it's because he's still cursing in his in his songs. Maybe it's because uh, we see him and we already have all these preconceived notions about him, and and all of that. You know, there there might be some merit to it. Um, I again, I'm gonna confess later, and I'm gonna I'll just confess it right now. I I don't know if Justin Bieber gets it or not gets it, meaning, I don't know if he, uh, if he, I don't know how orthodox he is in his faith. (laughs) I don't know who is discipling him. If he is getting discipled, let's say that, let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say that Justin Bieber's, uh, that his, his, uh, claim that he understands grace, and that he is now a Christian, and he was confronted with his sin. Let, let's let's say that that is true. Uh, who who's mentoring him? Who who's discipling him? I don't know. And, and, and oftentimes, I think that's where uh, many in our Christian circles kind of get doubtful or dubious of of these big proclamations of faith because uh, it, it doesn't always seem genuine. Um, and maybe there is some merit to that. Um, but to be honest, I don't, I don't know if that's the point, um, especially through an article like this that appeared in GQ, which just appears to be more of a confession of, of brokenness. And, and I think that's the main thing that if you read this piece, which I, I, I encourage you to do, um, what, if you, he, you can hear Justin talk and, and there's, there's a difference in the way that he puts his words together, um, there's a difference in the way that he, I think, understands his his brokenness. He understands and perhaps even embraces this idea that he has failed, that he has really messed up, uh, and that he has pursued things uh, that that were never supposed to give him fulfillment in the first place. In fact, he talks about that in the piece. He talks about this idea of this sort of life as a vapor thing. He writes, he, he says this, quote, I just woke up one day and I'm just like, who am I? I didn't know. And that was scary to me. You wake up one day and your, your relationships are messed up and you're unhappy and you have all the success in the world, but you're just like, well, what is this worth if I'm still feeling empty inside? End quote. <laughs> That should just be screaming, at least, you know what that screams to me? That screams to me someone who is in sort of, let's let's just throw a metaphor out there, who is in the midst of like Ecclesiastes chapter 3. <laughs> he's in the midst of this exploration of vanity, and he's coming to grips with himself, knowing that these things are fragile, they're fickle, they're frail, they can't give him fulfillment, they can't give him any sort of meaning, they can't give him what he's actually after, what he's actually longing for, which is, which is peace and assurance and relationship and steadiness—these things that he's lived his life so long for—can uh, never give him what he wants. Can never get him what uh, give him what he what he so desperately seeks. So, I I, I feel that that sort of existential <laughs> angst if you will uh, r- r- sort of seeping out of Justin again it, you might laugh and chuckle it's it's Justin Bieber that kid who who got famous because he sang that song baby over and over again and it's this kid who is now uh, coming to grips with life and and meaning and i my heart goes out to 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 celebrities um of his sort of stature because he he admits that he <laughs> he admits that he he's lived for things that can't really give him purpose who that can't really give him what he what he truly wants he says later on in the piece quote i'm reminded of of who i am not what i do and End quote. And this confession comes while he's sort of thinking about eating dinner and laughing at funny videos with his wife. (laughs) He's reminded of who he is, not when he's on stage, not when he's recording another record, or any of those things that go along with being celebrity. It comes with something that's much more simple: (laughs) laughing at a YouTube video with his wife. eating dinner with her, eating uh, that simple, that that simplicity of life just speaks to the fact that there's something more meaningful than record deals and signatures and brand deals and even GQ cover stories. And again, I, I don't know if Justin Bieber gets it. I hope and pray that he does. I pray for his soul. Anyone who comes out and says that they they know Jesus, that they that they uh are a Christian now, um shame on me for automatically judging them. Uh, that's how that's how I've come to feel. You know, there's that big thing about Kanye and there's been other uh, celebrities who've come out and said that they that they know Jesus and that they they're changing their life and and immediately we cast so much aspersion on them. Uh, I pray for his soul. I pray that he is discipled in the faith. Uh, I don't know how orthodox he is and what he believes and how much Bible he's reading. And but I pray that there's someone around him who is who is who is encouraging him in that path. Because I think, really, honestly, this article reads almost like a parable, uh, like it's a life story. Uh, really, of Justin profiling his life story, but I think the 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 underlying and I would say the the predominant lesson of the whole thing is that we as humans aren't as strong as we think we are, and number two, we weren't created to be famous. <laughs> I totally stole that last line from fellow Mockingbird writer and Mockingcast co-host Sarah Condon. Uh, Sarah once wrote. Uh, a reflection piece in the aftermath of the death of Anthony Bourdain. And she wrote that very thing, that we weren't created to be famous. Actually, she wrote this, quote, We all long for fame on some level or another, but fame does not do what it promises. Because fame has an unquenchable desire to be fed, it solves none of life's problems. Fame will take your mental illness, insecurities, and addictions and scare the hell out of you. Because now, instead of just you carrying the burden of yourself, it is entirely possible that the whole world will find out your deepest, darkest secrets. I cannot imagine the stress. In truth, she continues, we were not made for fame. Being famous ultimately means being responsible for other people's lives. It means taking on the pressure of the world. It means being loved by people who do not really love you, because they do not really know you. And this is the worst kind of love to be offered. End quote. I think that that could be said about Justin in a very real way. He's, I think, learning. I pray that he's learning. I pray that he's coming to this conclusion (laughs) that, that we weren't made to be famous. Our souls yearn for some sort of being some sort of knowing and being known. And this is where the gospel speaks the most loudest because we are loved by a God who really does know us, who doesn't love us because of what we can give. We can't give anything. We are dead in our trespasses and sins, (laughs) The best kind of love that is ever offered to us is the love that we find in Christ alone who loves us, yes, while knowing us, who, yes, while knowing that we were yet sinners went to the cross to die for us. I think, I pray, I pray that Justin Bieber is getting this, that he's he's coming to grips with this. It sounds as though that he is. Yeah, we can... Analyze his 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 rhetoric. Maybe um, you can nuance his words all you want, but I think to do so would to miss the uncanny grace that he recognizes in his own life. He's appreciative of the way that he has been changed by God uh, through the course of of s- <laughs> settling down and getting married. <laughs> And I think there's something beneficial to that. And I think for me, what I've learned um, just through reading this this article, um, it takes a long time to read, um, but the main thing I keep coming away from, and the thing that I hope that you remember too, is that there is no one that is too far gone for the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ. Yes, even Justin Bieber. There is no one that is beyond the reach of his saving arm. That is that is beyond the reach of of God's uh, merciful fingers. It reminds me of something that Charles Spurgeon said in an obscure little work of his entitled, Seven Wonders of Grace. Spurgeon writes, quote, However fallen you may have been, the grace of God can yet save you. Sin is strong, but grace is stronger. Perhaps you would... Um, be uncomfortable at the idea of pitting Justin Bieber and Charles Spurgeon in the same podcast. <laughs> uh, I certainly did not think that I was going to do that either. Uh, but I think, too, that's sort of fitting, because grace is always surprising, and it always appears in in areas and in ways that we do not ever expect. For me, um, I read this life story of Justin, and there's a lot of things that Uh, that I hope that he understands, and I pray that he understands. But ultimately, I pray that if the Spirit is truly active in him, that the Spirit works on his heart and life. And that this confession that (laughs) he knows the grace of God isn't just for publicity, but it's because he feels it. He knows that he's a sinner, the chief of sinners. And perhaps that's more real to him than perhaps other people. But I think the truth of the whole thing is that very sentiment. Sin is strong, but grace is stronger. It's stronger than any sort of vice you could ever get caught in. It's stronger than than any sort of of wretchedness that you could find yourself wallowing in. It's stronger than anything in this life. It's the strongest force in the world. And precisely because it's not a force, it's a face. Grace is Jesus, and he is stronger than sin. Why? Because he's put it to death by taking it on himself and leaving it behind in that cold, empty tomb that he walked out of after three days. (laughs) That's the hope that I have. It's the hope of righteousness that the gospel announces. It's the hope of righteousness that I pray is true in Justin Bieber's life. There's, like, the whole time I've been talking, there's, like, been this sort of undercurrent of snickering. Only because, as I said at the beginning, Justin Bieber is, like, a meme of himself. And yet, I find myself wanting to... (laughs) I find myself wanting to reach out to him and just say, I'm praying for you. And, no, I'm just some lonely... I'm not lonely. Just some obscure... Pastor in the middle of the central of central Pennsylvania, um so no, he probably would have no no inkling to uh even respond to me, uh, but yet the idea that he is is searching for that steadiness that only God can give is something that I think is speaks very loudly it it transcends the ideas of celebrity and and who you are and social status and it comes and reminds it reminds me that we are all sinners, and sinners are all that there are in this gospel of jesus' grace It's for sinners it's for you and for me and for Justin Bieber too I pray I pray for uh, I pray for his soul. I pray for his life. I hope you interact with this piece. Uh, it's really encouraging. I, I found it encouraging. Hopefully you, t- you can too, and you can be reminded uh, of just how strong grace is. It's stronger than any amount of sin that is ever present in your life. Thanks so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Ministry Minded Podcast. Uh, it's been a blessing to just share some of these thoughts with you. Again, I have some really great ones lined up. I can't wait to uh, sit down and record them. I appreciate so much your encouragement and your support. Uh, you have uh, been a blessing to me. Uh, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. and Thank you for your prayers. Uh, and uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Blessings.